Welcome back to episode 11 of the Risk Play Podcast. I am your host, Dante Washington. With me, I have my co-host, Benny Rodriguez. What's up? As a reminder, you can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, TikTok, any streaming platform you can think of. Today, we have a special guest, Angelo Gargaro from the Spinning Stots Podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself? What's up, friends? It's good to see you both. Thanks for having me on the podcast. As you said, I'm Angelo. I run Spinning Thoughts, which is a music podcast. We have 15 people who write for us all around the country. We've got two in Canada. We've been around for about six years. We're an official show on Adobe Radio. It's all about sharing music, spreading love, and just talking music. How did you get your start? That, so... The story of how you're, you're, how I got the start with spitting thoughts is what you're asking, right? Mm-hmm. So what ended up happening was um, I used to play in bands, a bunch of different bands growing up in middle school, high school, college, things like that. Music is just my lifeblood. It is, I think about it all day, every day. And um, as I was getting a little bit older, you know, I'm getting the gray in the beard a little bit, gray on the side of the mohawk and stuff. Um, as I've been getting older, a lot of my friends who were playing in bands with me, they too were getting older. They decided to go and like get married and have kids and stuff like that. Me, <laughs> I have two dogs, you know, okay. um, and, a, and a podcast. So who's winning, right? The, the, <laughs> the ones with the kids and the wife or the guy with the podcast and the dogs. I don't know. Yeah. But um, as I was getting older, People started to do the adult thing, and I just wasn't really at that stage. I'm still not at that stage. And um, it was harder and harder to get a band together to practice. It's like a full-time job sometimes to get four or five different people together at the same time to practice, to to be in a a creative writing mind frame. Um, You know, there's like one of our one of our guitarists or bass player, whoever the hell it was like, you know, he had gotten like two hours of sleep the night before our band practice because he has kids screaming at him all night. He's not ready to write the next banger the next day, you know? So it was, it was tough to, to keep doing the band thing because I needed to rely on so many other people to be able to do what I wanted to do. So what ended up happening was in 2016, in 2016, there is a music festival that runs every single year. It's called Four Chord Music Fest. I may have told you guys about this before. Um, Four Chord Music Fest is run by a guy named Rishi Ball. He is he actually works at LaRoche as an instructor. Him and I have very similar paths where like he during the day teaches classes and at nighttime he rocks out on a stage. And um, so he runs this music festival, Four Chord Music Fest. At the time it was Four Chord Music Fest, I want to say three. Now it's on the eighth iteration. More, He just had it last year or this year. Who did he have? He had like Bad Religion, Jimmy Eat World, State Champs, The Story So Far, Story of the Year, uh, Sherry Amore, all these like, you know, big bands that people would want to get into. So Rishi has this fest and I reach out to him. He's a good buddy of mine. I go, Rishi, I want my band to play on this festival. He gets national level bands all the way down to the local level. I'm thinking this would be amazing to play this. Rishi told me no. Which is fine. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to keep your friends in check and, and, and tell them what you can and cannot do. I shot my shot and, uh, you know, he said no. I didn't want to not be involved in this massive music fest and just community here in Pittsburgh. 
So randomly, maybe about like a month leading up to the fest, I was trying to think of ways that I could get involved and in, and in, and be at this fest without playing in a band. And I just woke up one day and I was like, "Hey, what if I started a music podcast and hit up Rishi again with my tail between my legs and said, "Hey, you won't let my band play, but I have a music podcast." And I would love to talk to as many of the bands that are playing Four Chord Music Fest in Pittsburgh to help you hype it up. I'll interview them leading up to the event, and it'll be a symbiotic kind of thing. Rishi was like, sure. So he helped me get interviews with literally like almost every single band that was playing on this fest. There had to have been like 15-some bands playing it. For about two weeks straight, I did like every day two interviews, like every day with two different bands. And that's how I started to build my arsenal of band interviews. Um, and I never thought that it was going to go past that moment. I thought it was just going to be kind of like a joke almost. Like, okay, I wanted to talk to these bands that I love, that I've listened to. And then after that, I'm going to keep creating music myself. But it just kind of spiraled from there. Because at least in the music world, and this relates to like, you know, like um, athletics and entertainment and, and all forms of media. Once you start to get like a resume built, uh, like an artist resume of guests that you talk to, it's easier to get the next level band or celebrity or whatever it is. So I took the 15 some interviews that I did. And then I started reaching out to other bands that I love. That was the goal. Like when I first started spinning thoughts, the goal was I want to talk to the bands that I've been listening to for years that I look up to that I love just to say that I talked to them. Like it was like a goal every time. How big can I get? How big of a band will come on to this little teeny podcast of mine. And so it just kind of went from there. And at this point, you know, I'm not saying that like I'm going to get the 1975 on the show anytime soon or anything like that. Like, you know, there's certainly a limit to, to my reach. But in terms of the pop punk alternative indie emo metal metalcore, uh, you know, kind of genres that I live in. I've basically talked to any band that I've wanted to and continue to do so. And now I've actually kind of turned it around to where I talk more to the up-and-coming bands to try to give it back, right? Pay it forward a little bit and to give them a spotlight on Spinning Thoughts and Adobe Radio to maybe help them gain some new listeners. So that, that's, that's how Spinning Thoughts started in a nutshell. It was just me and a co-host at the time who, um, you know, things didn't work out with him. So, you know, he's gone. And then it was just me. And I realized how lonely it was to run a podcast by yourself. And so I started bringing on contributors. I created a website. We write album reviews in advance of the albums dropping. We do concert photography. We do features on our website, thespinningthoughts.com. Go check it out. <laughs> so when did you know that it was going to like start to like, I guess, like become big like or popular? So the first couple bands that really meant a lot to me that I had on the podcast, I started to like think to myself, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking to myself, shit, uh, <laughs> is this really happening? Uh, so I had a band called the bouncing souls that came on and the way that I got them on was I basically said, Hey, I was, and look, I'm, I'm not telling anybody to lie out there, but what I'm saying is that sometimes you have to embellish where you're currently at to where you think you want to go, right? So I reached out to the Bouncing Souls. I said, hey, I was the official music podcast for Four Chord Music Fest. I wasn't the official music podcast, but I was the only one interviewing the band. So I called myself the official music podcast of Four Chord Music Fest. So I said, hey, the Bouncing Souls, I interviewed all these bands. Do you want to be on the show? They said, great. Once they were on, I hit up a band 
um, called Less Than Jake, who is a ska band that I adore, I love, had them on. They were my worst interview that I've ever had with any band ever of the 250-plus episodes we'll I've done. We'll get into that. Yeah, I'm sure we will. <laughs> it was the worst one I've ever done to date. I have never talked to them again. It's actually like, I feel like one of these days I have to get them back on to redeem myself. But when I felt that things were getting big, what, there's two moments in time. First was... I had a band on called Anti-Flag. They are a Pittsburgh band, but they're massive. They're, okay. they're punk. They've been around for 20 years. Um, they write about the government and what they hate about it and politics. And, you know, they're, they're all about uh, fighting for, you know, marginalized communities and, and, you know, the small guy and everything like that. And um, I had their drummer on the show. His, he goes by Pathetic for, like, Pathetic. Um, they all have, like, these goofy little names and stuff. And so I talked to Pat. It was a great conversation. After I was done recording, um, you know, we, I usually talk to the guests for a little bit off the air. And uh, Pat told me and my co-host at the time um, that he was wildly impressed with our interview approach and just how we conducted ourselves from leading up to it to after. And he said to me, and I'll never forget it, he said, no matter what anybody tells you guys. He goes, you're going to get a lot of shit. You're going to have people that try to outdo you. You're going to have people that say that you suck at what you do. He goes, I'm telling you guys right now that you're awesome at what you do. Don't ever stop doing what you're doing and just keep going. And I was like, holy shit, like a year ago, if you would have told me that the drummer of Anti-Flag was going to be on a podcast that I created out of nowhere and telling me that I'm doing a good job and encouraging me to keep doing it, he even related back to when he was just starting out in Anti-Flag, how everybody kept saying to them, you, yeah, you guys suck. Like you're this little punk band from Pittsburgh. You grew up in a semi-wealthy area. What do you know about politics and government and helping the small guy? You know, you came from some privilege. Well, sometimes what you have to do with privilege is you have to flex it. You have to leverage it and help other people, you know, do something good with that privilege, right? Um, so that was one of the, the moments where I was like, okay, we're on to something here to get that kind of kudos from a band that I look up to. And then the other moment uh, was when I got on Adobe Radio. So I had been trying to get on Adobe Radio after about six to nine months of me doing the podcast by myself. I started putting out feelers to get on a network to spread my reach and my audience. And um, I remember one of the co-founders of uh, IW Radio, his name's Eddie Barilla. He's still there. Uh, good buddy. Eddie, if you're seeing this, thanks for bringing me on. Uh, he worked with me for four or five months and was brutally honest with me every step of the way where I was like, Eddie, I think that I could really add to the Adobe roster of personalities and podcasts. Here's what we do. He liked my approach, but he said that I didn't have the right kind of equipment. I wasn't sounding as quality as what they needed. Then he started dissecting our marketing and our visual department at Spinning Thoughts in terms of like our graphics and our logos and how we edited things. And he was like, look, I like how you approach things, but you have to raise your level of quality before I can bring you onto the station. So for four or five months, every time he'd tell me something to do and enhance and to change and make better, I did it and I'd send it to him. I was on his ass all the time. And finally, I think it was, it had to have been like July of 2017, I finally got the response that I've been waiting for where he said, okay, let's do it. Let's bring you on. And I've been on Adobe radio ever since they've put me on billboards in LA, Chicago, Boston, New York. Um, uh, you know, I'm in meetings with people like, uh, the lead singer of, uh, Bowling for soup, Jarrett Reddick. Um, 
the guitarist of Simple Plan uh, is on uh, Adobe Radio. There's um, all kinds of people, and there's little me. So yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd say it was around that time. And then now, like I said, the vision is to use this platform for good. And you know, I still talk to bands that like I love and I look up to, but I, I try to talk to like the up and coming bands as much as possible right as they're about to break just to give them that little spinning thoughts push and and see where they go all right how did you see based off what i heard correct me if i'm wrong there was a lot of networking and pushing yourself out there do you think in general people should apply that when it comes to doing their own podcast or starting their own podcast 100%. 100%. I mean, at the end of the day, especially now, podcasts are becoming very saturated. Um, anybody can do them. I mean, it's not easy. As you guys know, it's not easy. But the access to do it is there. I mean, we're lucky to have a, a, a studio space like this with really nice equipment with people who know what they're doing and everything. But, you know, you don't even really need all of this. I mean, you could just uh, you just grab one of these and set it up. And, I mean, you could even, like, get certain attachments to where, like, you know, pretty decent microphones can even hook up mm-hmm. to this. And then if you just have, like, a little bit of creativity and savvy in terms of marketing and branding and social media, yeah, I mean, anybody can do it. So when a, when a market is saturated, what you have to do is, is you have to be your biggest fan. Like, you have to talk it up. It has to become you. And, like, when I think of spinning thoughts right now, like I know spinning thoughts means something different to other to everybody individually. It's a very subjective thing. But when I think of spinning thoughts, like I named it spinning thoughts because I literally have like these thoughts that are just constantly spinning in my head. Like I I don't sleep much. I'm a I'm a thinker. I'm existential. I you know, I I overthink things maybe to a fault. Um so I had to get people to buy into that. Like I had to get people to be like, why does this guy have anything worth them taking time out of their day to listen to. So yeah, I mean, it was a ton of networking, a ton of like, bo- like just boosting myself. I got shot down, honestly, five, six, seven, eight, nine times, 10 times from Adobe radio. Um, but I'd also say that, you know, one of the big pivotal moments for me as well was when I started bringing on contributors to the team. So like when it comes to the podcast, it is me interviewing bands, but then I have 15 people who are on the website that are doing a bunch of other stuff. And so I've made spinning thoughts multidimensional. There is an area of spinning thoughts for everybody, not even just in terms of different genre that we talk about, but maybe you're somebody that loves concert photography and the art that exists there. I've got three concert photography, photography uh, people on my team. And so there's a, a corner of spinning thoughts for them. If you're somebody that likes a written interview instead of an audio one, we have people that interview bands that go out to shows that do concert reviews, that do features, that come up with like playlists. We do a bunch of playlisting on Spotify. So yeah, at the end of the day, you have to take a podcast and you have to find ways to make it not a podcast while the podcast is still going, right? So find ways to do a podcast but by doing other things that are all living within that brand. And, and that's when you start to separate yourselves from others. All right. Vinny, you got any questions? Or well, you want to keep going? <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, uh, going back to what you said earlier, what made that guess? I forgot their name, like, so horrible. Like, why? So I, I, memory tells me it was episode 26 or 27 uh, with a band called Less Than Jake. I... Um, 
I talked to the lead singer. His name is Chris DeMakes. This guy's voice truly is like the voice of my childhood. Um, I used to play in a ska band. For people who don't know what a ska band is, uh, it's a band that has like different horns in it. So trumpets, valve trombone, some have sax players. Um, it's a real kind of like... I. A lot of people associate it to like a West Coast kind of vibe, like with clean. I mean, a lot of times like ska right now, there's like ska core, which is like heavy ska, which is awesome. Uh, but I'd say like the Less Than Jake um, ska bands are just like, you know, pretty like bouncy, jumpy, dual vocals, things like that. So Kristen makes it like his voice to me, like got me through some weird times in high school and, and in college. And so when it comes to me... um. I'm a pretty anxious guy. Um, I love people and I love talking to people and I love being out there, but I'm also very like introverted at the same time. I'm kind of like, well, I, there's a phrase, is it omnivert? I think is maybe it where like I can kind of bounce between being an extrovert and an instru- introvert. But at the end of the day, I kind of prefer just like kind of hanging out with my dogs and listening to music and uh, playing some video games, playing guitar. So I, I like being in my own space. Um, I get in my head a lot. And so basically when I was getting ready to talk to, to Les and Jake and Chris from the band, this is episode 26 or 27. I was a baby in the podcasting world. I still hadn't really messed up and gotten like the bad feedback from people to kind of desensitize me to it and to thicken my skin. And, you know, basically what I did was is I took this guy, Chris, and I put him on this massive pedestal in my head where I was like the entire week leading up to the interview, so nervous I wasn't eating, barely sleeping. I was struggling to come up with questions because I didn't want to ask like stupid cliche questions. You know, this is a guy that's been in a band for a while. What could I ask him that hasn't been asked before? And at the end of the day, when I sat down and talked to the guy, I did the exact opposite of what I wanted to do. I asked him some of the most cliche questions that you could ever, oh. ever ask a band, an artist, and especially like a ska band. Because one of the cliche things with ska is people will say that ska music has been dead for some time. There's been different waves of ska, different lineages of ska. There's people who, after like the mid to late 90s, they say, hey, Ska died, it's over, we're moving on. And that's certainly not the case. Some of the best bands out there right now are Ska bands. Kill Lincoln, We Are the Union, Jer from Ska 2 Network, um, uh, oh my god, Cat Bite. There's so many different Ska bands that are out there right now. Raccoon, Flying Suit. Um, so the first question that I asked Kristen makes from Lesson Jake, I was like, so Chris, talk to me. What's it like being in a ska band in the 2000s? Do you think ska is dead? And you could just, he he literally paused and gave like the most dramatic. He went like, like almost like, here we go again. The question that everybody asked me being in a ska band, uh. is ska dead? And you could just tell that at that point he made it up in his head like this guy does not know what he's doing. And I could tell that he was like not thrilled by that question. And so I got even more nervous and I just kept asking more stupid questions. Um, he also, uh, it, the, the timing may have been a little off, like just unfortunate maybe because less than Jake had just released. I can't remember what album it would have been, but they had just released some music and they were just heading out on tour to support that release. So they had just played, I think the first show of this like long ass tour that they were going to be on. So they had just traveled from, I think they're from Gainesville, Florida. So they drove from Florida all the way. I want to say they were heading to Texas and they were sleeping overnight in like 
Missouri or Arkansas or some somewhere. He was tired as hell. It was a late night conversation, and the first question I ask him is, "Is Scott dead?" And it's just like that's such a cliche question. And then I got in my head and I couldn't recover, and uh, it was terrible. Like I was embarrassed to post it, and it's still out there. I mean, anybody can listen to it. It's it's out there. It's on our website, thespinningthoughts.com. It's on <laughs> Spotify. It's on Apple Music, iHeartRadio. Go look. We'll, we're, we're there. Um, so yeah, uh, people who've been following Spinning Thoughts for some time, they know that that is like the bane of my existence. I get people all the time asking, hey, are you going to bring Chris back on the show? I bet you he would come back on. There's no bad blood. I think he was just like, this is a waste of my time. So one of these days, I'll probably, I'll probably get Chris back. I'll redeem myself and I'll have a really healthy, good conversation with... Uh, a guy in a band that I look up to a lot. How about like, I guess we're like, I guess it was their fault. And they were just like an overall like bad guest. That's a really good question. Um, what I've come to find is when I like I, to just boil it down, you have the bands that, that like are very close to making it, and then you have the bands that have made it. Let's say what quantifies that is a conversation for a different day. The bands that haven't made it yet, they are way more excited and energetic to talk on the podcast to me because like it's almost something new to them. They they haven't like become jaded by it. So I'll, I'll, some of my most difficult or most underwhelming conversations interviews are with bands that are pretty high up there because it's really challenging, especially like there's a, you know, they, they, they have big heads, you know, like they, they, they're like rock stars to an extent. Mm -hmm. At least I look up to them in that matter. So, you know, they, they, it's almost like they feel like they're just like forced to do it because their record labels making them do it. Their press team, their management's making them do it. Um, I'm trying to think of a specific example. Um, what I remember one of these times, um, what was the band? It, they, so I remember whenever I started breaking out of the U.S. market of bands and I started to interview bands from like the U.K., from Australia, pop punk, indie, alternative, massive in Europe, massive in Australia. Like some of the best bands right now are coming out of Australia. Um, Between You and Me, Stand Atlantic, The Fame, all from Australia. Check them out, right? So I, I, I want to say the band that I'm referring to, I want to say it was Def Havana, but I could be wrong. Basically what had happened was when you work with bands at a higher caliber, you're not working with the band themselves to get them on. You're working with their management, their press, their record label. And you have to hope that what you communicate to those entities reiterate it to the band themselves in the correct way. There's a massive time difference between where I'm at in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and... Um, the UK. So I think they're like six hours ahead of us, right? So it's like 1235 right now. It's like 635 there in the, in the evening for them. There was a miscommunication from the press team to the band on when we were going to talk. I was talking to them at like eight o'clock at night. So it was it, two yeah, in the morning, it, it would have to be, yeah. early as hell. This dude was so annoyed to be on a podcast with me at two o'clock in the morning, his time. But that's what we had agreed upon. I guess it just wasn't communicated with the time zone. So that was tough to kind of get over because I, he just was not happy to, to be up at 2 a.m. and I didn't blame him, but you got, I got to move forward. You know, I got to have the conversation. So that's, you know, that's something. Um, but to be honest with you, I'd only say that there's like maybe a handful, literally like under five where I felt the interview 
was underwhelming or didn't hit the way that I wanted it to. Other than like Krista makes from less than Jake, this one, it may not have been Def Havana. It was definitely like some UK band where the time zone got messed up. But overall, I'd say that I've, I've been pretty lucky to have good conversations with bands and that they've reciprocated. I have a lot of passion. It comes through most of the time in my conversations with them. And at the end of the day, if you stroke the ego of any celebrity athlete, musician, they'll usually, you know, turn on the gears and, and give you what you want. Vinny, I know you've been waiting. Go ahead. I don't have any questions. Yeah. Well, as about of right the, now. About the, the, what? <laughs> the, the music comparisons? Oh. Uh, you want me to get into yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, Eric, yeah. So you can ask him. This TikTok is coming out later today. but um, It still hasn't come out yet? No. Oh, jeez. Okay, I'm looking forward lot, to it. The, the <laughs> Can't wait. There's a, there's a lot of things you said in in that TikTok. Yeah. yeah um, I'm going to regret it being posted, I think. <laughs> Do you want to explain? This is your opportunity to explain some of your answers. Because, okay, you might you know, have to remind me of some of these answers. Well, you pick Prince over Michael Jackson. Yeah, I feel like that's an easy choice there. Oh my! God. I can't imagine getting any pushback for that. <laughs> Can you explain further? Yeah, please explain. So, first, there needs to be a clarification. Okay. Now, I am somebody that on my TikTok, um, look up spin thoughts on uh, TikTok, and you will find us. Um, all of our social media handles are at spin thoughts, S P I N thoughts. Okay. So on TikTok, I'm a big fan of making people pick between two different bands. And then I give them shit for picking the one that maybe I wouldn't have picked. So it's kind of like my shtick to do that right now. For clarity, it doesn't mean that one band is necessarily better than the other. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all for fun. Music is wildly subjective. There are bands that mean something to me because they got me through a dark time or remind me of a good time, right? So subjective. So with that clarity out of the way, this isn't me saying that Michael Jackson wasn't a talented uh, artist, vocalist, choreographer, dancer, um, you know, whatever you want to say. But in my view... I feel like Prince just had a stronger, diverse impact um, when it comes to music. Like, I think that you could predict at times what Michael Jackson... Now, I wasn't really around when Michael Jackson was really, like, on the rise in the 80s and early 90s and stuff. I was a little baby, like, in, in the 90s or whatever. Um, I just feel like Prince was a little bit more unpredictable, and I like unpredictability in, in, in music. I also feel like Prince leaned a little bit more into rock, you know, loosely adjacent to it. Michael Jackson was more the pop. I mean, it was the, the king of pop, right? Pop's not necessarily my jam. Prince played guitar. Love the guitar. Prince changed his name to a symbol. I think that that's pretty sweet. You know what I mean? Um, I, I don't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So th there's the education for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, uh, purple is also one of my favorite colors. So, you know, purple rain. Um, I think the... the uh, so is this, is this a biased opinion? or is it's, this a, uh, it's an opinion. Or is it an expert opinion? Because you know a lot of music. So I a, do know a lot of music. Is, this, um, is, this, is it more of the expert talking or more of you as a person? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think that... <laughs> so, like, Prince's... Um, uh, halftime performance, uh, what you know, what was that, like eight, eight years ago? I can't remember when it was. Prince performed in what halftime show? Super Bowl? Yeah. Eight years ago? I don't... Uh, it had to be way longer than that. <laughs> and how long has like, he been gone for? Only a few years. Only right. It hasn't yeah, been that long. I think it I'll was... check real quick. I don't think it was too far before he passed away. Yeah, he, um, he passed like three, four, year, five years ago. Yeah. He passed after Michael. 
Michael died in 2009, right? And then, like, Prince was like... I would say it's been within the last 10 years he performed okay. at the Super Bowl. It was 15. What? See? Told you. Was like, he, was he the headliner or was he, like, addition? No, he was... No, it was... He was, like... What Super Bowl was that? The 07 one. So who... So who it was Giants that? and Patriots? Maybe. I was seven years old, so maybe I don't really... Right. So, <laughs> well, go check it out, you know, and, and maybe this will show you all why I think Prince wins this argument. Um, so I, I loved the halftime performance there. I thought it was epic. I think it was one of the best Super Bowl halftime performances out there. So if you haven't seen it, you got to check it out, form your own opinion. But I also feel like Michael Jackson had a lot of help. This isn't saying that he wasn't the mastermind behind it, but I mean, Michael Jackson was such a brand when it comes to music videos, to choreography, to music, to the rights of the music. I mean, he collabed with a lot of people. And, you know, I, and I'm sure Prince did as well, too. But I just, f- from my perspective, I feel like Prince was more of the conductor of his music than Michael Jackson may have been at times. All right. I feel like MJ had more hits, no? I mean, do you think Tom Brady is the GOAT? Yeah. Okay, then there goes my argument, I was going to say, because he has the most Super Bowl ring. I mean, there's a lot of people who say he's not the GOAT, even though he has more Super Bowl rings he's, than it. I'll say this. He's, he's definitely the greatest, but he's definitely not the best. So and There's a difference, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, Michael Jackson may have had more hits. Um, but I think especially when it comes to music, like, I mean, look at the charts today. Like, look at the Billboard Top 100 right now. Um, like... Oh, God, I don't want to maybe get in trouble for saying this. But, like, for example, like, in the top 20, I think, like, Lil Baby's on there, like, 15 times. I don't think that Lil Baby's... They're probably. I don't think that Lil Baby's better than every single person on the top 100 just because Lil Baby has 15 <laughs> hits right now on there. What, what hits... Lil Baby, if you're listening... We still want you as a guest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't <laughs> talked to you about those 15 hits that are on the top 100, and that's a hell of an accomplishment. But, you know, I think in music especially, like, sometimes, like, what hits doesn't necessarily mean that it is the, like, the, the top cream of the crop. I mean, look at TikTok. I know you both are getting into mm-hmm. TikTok and stuff. Sometimes, like, look at it. It's a microcosm to, to like, consu- content consumption. Uh, I see what you mean. I, like, there's some TikTok videos that make me and Benny made, like, that got a little bit of views. And then I see, like... Trashy videos getting like two, three million. I'm like, yep. Me and Benny's video was way better than this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, when it comes to music, I think that it's a different conversation. Um, even though I know I brought up the um, the is it six Super Bowls or seven? Why can't seven? It's seven, seven. Jesus. Yeah. Um, for Tom Brady, yeah, I think like in sports, like look, it yeah, like it's hard to argue that a quarterback that has seven Super Bowl rings, which is more than any team really. Um, other than what the Steelers, I guess they're all tied at seven. Is it? Steelers? Oh no, we got six. We have yeah. six. Does yeah. Tom Brady really have seven? Yes, yeah. Brady has seven. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. um, it's probably going to stay at seven too at this point. But yeah, um, yeah I think it's hard to argue if you're going to base like athletics and and sportsmanship and competition in that way. Like that's why Dan Marino isn't always in these conversations because he doesn't have the rings. You know what I mean? So I think that's that's maybe one objective quantitative way to judge it but in music music other than the charts but i think that that is very skewed um it is very subjective so yeah it's just an opinion with some expertise and then the other one was you said uh i forgot he said somebody was 
the worst band in history. Oh, oh, that's easy. I'll say that with pride. It's Nirvana. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he did Nirvana. say Nirvana. Nirvana. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. But you also asked me somebody else, too, because um, you got me going like with this one band. I said that I didn't like them, and then I started to go off on a tangent about Nirvana. I can't remember what the other one was. Queen was it- or the Beatles... Was or it Pink Aerosmith? Because I also don't like Aerosmith. No, um, it, was, it might have been Pink Floyd. I love Pink Floyd, though. See, you see, I think you gave a compliment to Pink Floyd. Hold on, I'm gonna check. I fi- that Nirvana. Get, you got to get into that one. Yeah. So are you ca- are you calling them one hit wonders? No, okay. I, I, that would that would mean that they had a hit, and I know that Wait. they <laughs> I know that they did, but not with me. Um, I'm not even a big Dave Grohl fan, and I think that Dave Grohl is the best thing to happen in Nirvana, obviously. I mean, he went on to do Foo Fighters. Um, He's featured on, like, so many different uh, albums and things like that. When it comes to Nirvana, one, I just don't like grunge, like, the early 90s grunge. Like, there's, like, some grungy kind of music that exists today, and I like a gritty rock song, you know? But I feel like Nirvana was the most cliche version of grunge. Like if you look, it's all in hindsight too. So we have the benefit of looking in hindsight. I wasn't cognitive in the early 90s to understand what Nirvana was doing. In hindsight, I look and I listen to bands like Alice in Chains, Smashing Pumpkins. Um, I mean, so many. Uh, Soundgarden. Like I, I don't. There's so many bands that I would easily say captured the grunge genre and movement and mentality way more than Nirvana. Um, I actually, I don't like when people say that because a band sells out that like they lose their impact or, you know, I don't like the whole selling out thing. The goal should be for a band to sell out, right? Like when I was playing in bands, if somebody told me, Angelo, we want to sign your band and, and make you a millionaire or have you tour the country, that's the goal. If somebody says that's selling out, then I let me sell out. I'll sell out five times. Do you know what I mean? Easy. But when it comes to the way that Nirvana branded themselves and the way that Kurt Cobain specifically tried to brand himself with his lyrics, with this dark, you know, kind of aura that he had, Nirvana just didn't capture that. It was kind of the antithesis of it. Like, Nirvana was not grunge. It was the mainstream version of it and um it does nothing for me um i want to know your opinion on this because i know i asked like a week ago so my dad thinks that he did not shoot himself that it was planned like that it was like that it was like a planned conspiracy theory so why why does dad think that um he thinks so who it was um courtney love yeah so apparently that like he was getting ready to leave her and that she was just gonna get like everything or like it was something like of that i'm not sure the exact like like um on that but he thinks that it was like planned so people like conspiracies people love for like the truth to not be the truth so that there's like a little bit more spice to it a little bit more mythical kind of mystique to it um here's my perspective on it we all know that Kurt Cobain was a troubled individual. That's not in question, right? We all know Kurt Cobain drank and s- smoked and did other drugs. That's not in question whatsoever. So, I mean, just the preponderance of the evidence, like what seems more likely to have happened here, it, it already leans toward him ODing and, 
you know, things of that nature. I mean, we see that happen today where artists are dying because of drug abuse, drug addiction, overdose, laced, um, you know, kind of stuff. So, I mean, just from a logical perspective, to me, it makes more sense that, you know, it was an OD. Um, I don't think he was trying to necessarily commit suicide either. I mean, I don't think, I'm, who knows? He had dark thoughts. Like, I, I, I don't know what was in his head. But what I can say is this. Courtney Love can barely stand up on her own. Like, she literally can barely function. Um, that woman has gone through some shit. And this is no judgment. I mean, I don't know Courtney Love's story. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I just don't think she's capable of taking out, at the time, a musical icon. Um, and I won't argue that, you know, society culture looked at and still does look at Kurt Cobain as a musical icon. To take out a musical icon and get away with it, with all of the press, all the pl- pl- publicity, um, all the forensics, you know, not that it was like massively, you know, electric in the early 90s, you know, I'm at least there was DNA at that point, I would think. But yeah, I just can't see Courtney Love pulling it off. Especially after all this time, like I figure, you know, it's just the likelihood isn't there. That's where I'm at on it. I could be wrong. I also saw like another like theory that um, MJ has faked his own death. They said that about Tupac. They say that about Elvis, Tupac, about MJ. um, Yeah, people love a story. (laughs) But here's the thing. At the end of the day, these are these are human beings, right? Mm -hmm. Like they they are not any more invincible than you and I are. So, uh yeah, I, like people die, and so did Elvis, and so did Tupac, and Biggie, and MJ, and Prince, and yeah, I think that they're all gone. But w- the, here's what we forget when we talk about like these conspiracy theories and all that is is that it feels like there's. I think that we give credit to these conspiracy theories because, and this is why music's so powerful is is that it lasts after the human body is gone, right? Like their music is still with us, their melodies, their harmonies, their vision, their the way that they even look. Like it, it's still here, even long after they're gone. Um, who's um? Oh, it's escaping me right now. Um, Juice World, right? I knew you were gonna say that. Um, but this is a great example uh, where somebody just released. I can't remember the artist. Maybe you know. Uh, just released a song featuring Juice mm, World. Mm. There's like been like five of these, if not more mm. than that. Yeah. I, 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 there's the holograms that are on stage where Tupac is performing. I mean, technology exacerbates the the idea that these people are still around, even though I think we all know better. But we like the idea of it. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm cool with that. But yeah, I, I don't think that there's any legitimacy. So in no order unless you want to do it what are your top five bands of all time if you want to go in order you can i would love to go in order i just don't think i can um this is such a tough question um and it's certainly fluid it has changed throughout my life right now in this moment here's five bands that i would say are top tier for me um the velvet underground so lou reed uh, this is an early '60s band. Um, some say like the f- like the grandfathers of like true rock and roll. Um, that's a debate in itself because really rock and roll has so many roots that go back before the '60s, the '40s, and '50s and stuff. Um, rock and roll, I guess, in terms of like the pop culture, rock and roll, right? 
Um, so the Velvet Underground for sure. Um, I feel like people like your age these days, um, and I feel like culture today has kind of turned on the Beatles a little bit. I feel like a lot of people think that the Beatles were overrated. A lot of people don't like John Lennon. He was um, kind of a controversial character back then. In hindsight, he has some very um, sketchy lyrics um, that, again, in hindsight, didn't last the test of time. Um, But I would say the Beatles are definitely up there. My dogs are named Lennon and Yoko. Um, So I also really like the Beatles because, for me, like I was never alive, obviously, for the Beatles. To me, they are like not even human beings. Like they are just like these mythical creatures that once walked this <laughs> earth like prehistoric dinosaurs, right? Um and I, I really what I like about the Beatles is kind of like the mythology around them. There was a lot of like there's rumors that Paul McCartney died like in the mid sixties and that they found a doppelganger oh, yeah. to like <laughs> fill in. Oh really? Oh yeah, it's wild. There's a there's a documentary about it. That like the Beatles hint to it in different songs. If you play their vinyl records backwards, and I have them on vinyl, and you can kind of hear some of these things, like where like there's like hidden messages backwards. So I like again leaning into like people like conspiracies, people like these like crazy ideas, and we hope for them to be true. So uh, that's one reason why I like the Beatles. There's two. Pink Floyd. Um, I'm a big fan of music that like is kind of trippy and is ethereal and existential and takes your mind on a ride. Pink Floyd does that for me. I also really like the story of Pink Floyd, um, you know, with their original singer. Um, oh my God, Sid, Sid, what? The, why I can't remember his last name. Sid Barrett. Um, it, he, um, this guy was like tripping on acid all the time to the point where he could no longer like play the guitar on stage. So Pink Floyd ended up like without telling him, they would just turn off his amp and they would have David Gilmore, who is, you know, now like the voice and face of Pink Floyd. He'd be behind the stage playing oh, Sid's wow. parts and everything. And Sid was so far gone from acid that just one day the band stopped inviting him to band practice and to shows. And he never even realized it and just went on with his life. Like literally just without ever kicking him out of the band, they just stopped inviting him to ban- to, to the band wow. practices and Pink Floyd became Pink Floyd without him. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, so I'd go with that. Um, and then I would say to, to round it out with the back to uh, newer bands, because certainly newer bands are up there in my top tier. There's a band called The Starting Line that I just love and adore i have interviewed the lead singer of that band before which is one of my favorite interviews i've ever done kenny vasoli who is the lead singer of the starting line he also has a side project called vacationer it's very very trippy beachy vibey kind of stuff so when the weather breaks after this winter that we're going to head into i recommend everybody listen to vacationer and then the last band is more of an artist who's had many different bands his name is andrew mcmahon he started out in a band called something corporate after that, he started a band called Jack's Mannequin. He ended up getting cancer, and he created like um, the band Jack's Mannequin as almost like a like a nonprofit to like give back um, and give money to cancer patients and survivors and families and stuff like that. And so his music in that era really talks about um, unknown, uncertainty, life, death, love, recovery, things like that. And now he does music under the name Andrew McMahon in the wilderness. It's a long, long ass name, but 
His music is so consistent throughout the years, throughout every iteration that he's done. It's so beautiful. His lyrics are just wildly impressive. So, yeah, let's uh, recap. The Velvet Underground, The Beatles, Pink Floyd, The Starting Line, and Andrew McMahon. No Queen? No. Queen wouldn't even be in the top 20 for me. Really? <laughs> no. Okay. I do like Queen. Okay. At one point, I didn't like Queen. There's some bands that just initially turned me off, and I have to like be ready for it. I think I said this to you guys when we were talking. It was either off the air or on the TikTok or something. I didn't like Queen for a long time. I also didn't like Rush. I, um, remember, I remember what you said. This was more... I remember what he said before on the TikTok video. This was more valid. This one is going to go either way. I, we love them both. I love them both. I know you like them both. Oh, you this, yeah. Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole. Yeah, J. Cole, all the way. I need more explanation. They're both, they're, I feel like Kendrick is more, he can he can fit in every genre. I don't think J. Cole can. That's but fair. J. Cole's really talented, though, too. And, and maybe that's why I like J. Cole, uh, because typically I would lean into somebody who is um, multi-genre focused. Um because I don't always lean into like R&B and hip hop and and pop and things of that nature. So for me, when I find something in those genres and categories, they just sometimes really hit hard for me. Um, but I also can say that I haven't necessarily given Kendrick like a full discography listen, maybe the way that I have for J. Mm-hmm. Cole. So maybe that could shift for me a little bit. Um, but yeah, I kind of I also get like down these rabbit holes. Um, with different bands and artists where like I may have never listened to them before. They're like cliche, like bands that like you would think that you would have listened to, have heard of before, just haven't. And then I get into a mode and I start listening and I fall in love with them. Rush, Queen. Um, I'm even like really, um, I'm, I'm getting severely into uh, Taylor Swift right now. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. We, I don't know, we're going to have someone on to talk about Taylor Swift. We have no choice, but you know. There's Listen, a lot of there's a lot to love about Taylor. She's Swift. really talented too. I was going to say to you like, how, so in sports now now like to say for example for football yeah there's now a difference in basketball like there's difference between being a basketball player and a football player to being an athlete. So when it comes to music, there's difference between being a rapper or a pop singer to being an artist. Where do do you see? the pros and cons of both or is it more beneficial to be an artist and be diverse in your music that's a damn that's a damn good question <laughs> i think that like at the end of the day if you're going to create any kind of art whether it's music whether it's visual like painting or graphic design dancing choreography things like that what i think is is that one you just got to be true to yourself so um like even with like spinning thoughts and the podcast and everything, um, I think it's important for me to always remember the core of what we do um, and and stick to it, but to also not put yourself in a corner to where like you're married to that. You know, like you should always be willing and open to explore and to experiment. I think that music lends to that really well. Um, I think it's almost like a game of semantics, I would say. Um, But I mean, so like one of my favorite artists is Jim Morrison, who was the lead singer of The Doors. Okay, now, Jim Morrison never really did anything on his own. He was always the front man of The Doors, but he was interviewed a lot in his time frame with The Doors. 
And people would ask him, like, how do you want to be remembered? And Jim would always say that he didn't want to be remembered by being the front man of the doors. He wanted to be remembered as a poet. So here's a guy who really, before he joined the doors, was just writing some of the most obscure, like cryptic poetry. And then he just took that poetry and found people who put music behind it. So I guess like in that setting, like some could argue that Jim Morrison was not a lead singer. He was not a front person to a band. He was a lyricist, a poet, and there were band members behind him. So, um, but I, again, with this, I think it's also fluid. Like, I think that, you know, when you're starting out, you start out doing what makes you happy, what feels right, what feels easiest, right? Like the, the path of least resistance, I would say. But as you keep doing it, you, you want to start exploring, um, and trying to push yourself and, and push the limits. And that's why you see like certain bands, like, you know, on the rise, people love them. Then they go and they try something that's experimental, a little bit different, and people are like, oh, I miss the old, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, Paramore gets a lot of uh, a lot of shit for changing their style from the early 2000s to being more of like an indie rock band. Well, they're doing what they want to do. So, yeah, I say just lean into what makes you comfortable. If you feel that you're an artist that is multidimensional and multifaceted, then you do it. All right, well... I have to be out. All right. So, so thank you, Angela, for joining us today. Thank you very thank much. Thank you for listening slash watching because now you can watch on Spotify now. I didn't know. I didn't figure that out until last week. Okay. <laughs> but you can catch us on Spotify, Anchor, YouTube, TikTok. We also recently um, launched a website at Risk Play Podcast. Oh. We also have YouTube handles now. YouTube got handles now. At YouTube really? slash Risk Play Podcast. So now you can find us faster and you can find um, user friendly content, I guess. I guess, <laughs> yeah. And anything else you want to say before you go? All I want to say is first of all, thank you for having me on here. No I think you both are wildly talented at what you do. I can tell that your passion is here and I hope that you continue doing what you're doing. So kudos to you. Um, check in on a friend today. Tell a family member that you love them. Send somebody a song that maybe might lift them up or get them out of some hell that they're going through. Uh, find us on all social media at Spin Thoughts. Our website is thespinningthoughts.com. We're on Spotify, Adobe Radio, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, all of those things. Much love. All right. All right. See you.